Good morning. Lovely to see you all here. I do welcome you. And good to hear the, is that the buzz of, of chatter before the server starts. Uh, we're here to worship our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, together. We're here to give glory um, to God. And as we do, let, let's still our hearts um, before God and just pray for, for his help um, as we meet together this morning. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we, we still our hearts before you. And we, we pray that, Lord, as we come into your presence, we would know your, your grace, your mercy towards us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we realize we, we come before you as men and women who are, are, are prone to wander, prone to, to sin, prone to, to let you down. And yet we, we give you thanks that, that we, we can be here because of your, your salvation, because of Jesus, because of your grace towards us in him. We think that we can be here and we can rejoice that, that we have a salvation that is eternal. Our sins are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, but so far you removed our transgressions from us. That you look upon us and you see us as righteous. And so Lord, we come in your strength and we just pray that, Lord, even as we take these moments together this morning, that we would be just aware afresh of our Savior and how wonderful Jesus is. And where we would leave this place later on just rejoicing. Rejoicing in Jesus, rejoicing in our great God, rejoicing in our salvation. Rejoicing in your work towards us. We pray for each one who's here in the building this morning. For those who listen live online. And for those who may listen later on even to, to this. Lord, we just pray for, for each person. Lord, you know every need. You know every heart. You know every desire and struggle and, and joy in, in each person's life. We just pray that... That as we read your word together, as we study your word together, Lord, you would just do that, that work of, of grace. For, for some, Lord, to open eyes to see Jesus as Savior and bring people to salvation. For, for, for believers, that they would be just re- rejoicing in, in, in Jesus and build up on their faith afresh. Lord, do that work in each one of us, we pray. Bless this time together, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to, to read together from Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to read the eight, verse 8 verses together. I'm going to, going to focus on verse 3 to, three to 6. Um, and simply want to, I suppose, just encourage you in, in our, our worship of the Lord Jesus Christ and to just to rejoice um, just in what Jesus has done for us. And... So we're going to say read um, just those, those couple of verses um, from the first part of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 and reading from verse 1. Read there, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ in Colossae, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, 
We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. Which has come to you, as indeed to the whole world, it's bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it, and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, your beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Amen. We'll finish there at verse 8. I think probably all of us are the same. Um, I think we, we all like to get a compliment. Now and again, people say nice things about us. Uh, I think I may have shared this with you before, but I, I think way back to when I was I worked for the Department of Agriculture for, for a, a short time, and it was in the middle of the, the BSE crisis. And my, my role, I was put on the, the telephone lines, and so all these frustrated, angry farmers were ringing in, um, basically taking hundreds of calls a day for, for months on end, um, trying to get animals moved, cattle moved in, into the, the, the 24-call 24, uh, 24, um, scheme at that time. And so I was taking all these calls, and my, my boss, he, he was doing meetings around the whole country, sort of taking sort of um, questions from farmers, giving advice to farmers at that time. And at one of those meetings, my boss was being asked some questions. In the middle of it all, this man stood up, this farmer stood up, and he says, there's a, there's a, a boy up there in Dundonald House, and he's useless. His name is Colin Cooper. And <laughs> he, he went on to, on to say, he says, every time I phone up there, he answers the phone, he, he, he talks to, with me, he does absolutely nothing for me, and yet says, when I go off the phone, I go off feeling happy. And then about half an hour later, I'm asked the question, why on earth should I feel happy? Because he's done absolutely nothing for me. Now, in the middle of all of that, I think there's a compliment, <laughs> believe it or not. And there's, I guess, a mixed compliment there. But, but, but we all like compliments. We, we all like people to, to say something nice about us or see something nice in us. And so we come to Colossians 1. We have a, a compliment here, but it, it's a compliment that maybe it's not quite what it seems when you read it for the first time. We have it in um, verse 3. Um, leaning on into um, verse 4. It says, We always thank God the Father when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope that is laid up in heaven for you. And, and as Paul writes to the church in Colossae, their pastor, Epaphras, has, has made quite a journey to come and see Paul in, in prison. And, and, and Epaphras has come because there are some issues in the church that he wants to discuss with Paul, some problems they're having in the church that he wants to, to iron out. And, and discuss. But as well as Epaphras telling about those problems, Epaphras has spoke about the people in the church at Colossae with um, wonderful words 
he's talked about their, their, their faith. He's talked about their, their great love for each other and their, how, how they get on with each other. He's talked about the hope that they have in Christ. And he's spoken about just, just these, these wonderful believers, these wonderful men and women of God who meet together in that church in Colossae. And as Paul hears all of that, he writes back to them and he says to them, I've heard of your faith and your love and your, um, the hope that, that is laid up in heaven for you and, and, just, and how just you, you're saved and how you love God and how you enjoy salvation. So I've heard of all of that. But when he, when he says that, he doesn't say to the people in that church that you are doing a wonderful job, that you're wonderful people. Because when you read verse 3 very carefully, Notice what he says. He says, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Because of your faith, love, and hope. What was he saying there? He says, we give thanks to God. Because he's the one who's done that work of grace in your life. He's the one who's given you the faith. He's the one who's given you the hope. He's the one who's given you that love. Paul acknowledges that, that, that God has done that. Let me put it, put it a, 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 a slightly different way or use an illustration just to we get our head around this. You know, if, um, it's, it's my birthday later on um, in, in August at some point, and, you know, we, someone, somebody might want to buy me a really big present. Um, I mean, so, something really sort of splashed out and, and buy me something wonderful. And if you do that, I promise you something. I'll say thank you for, to, for, to you afterwards for it. And I, I will say thank you. For, you know, what a wonderful present. Thank you so much. And I, I will give you the thanks that you deserve for it. However, what I won't do, I won't go around to everybody else who hasn't given me anything and say thank you to you. I will simply thank the person who gave the gift. And, and that, that's, that's, that's the point that Paul wants us to grasp here, because as he speaks to, to the church in Colossae, he, he wants them to grasp that the giver of the gift of salvation is God and not themselves. So he's not saying to them, says, you're wonderful people. He doesn't say that. He's not saying to them, says, you know, you know I really admire you. He's not saying that. He's saying, no, you're not wonderful people, but you have a wonderful, amazing God. And he wants to give thanks and glory to God for the work of God in the lives and the hearts of these people. These believers in Colossae were displaying the gifts of faith, love, and hope in their lives. And as Paul speaks, and he's always got the gospel at the very heart of everything that he says. He's careful about the words he uses, the terminology he uses. He never wants to take anything away from the gospel. He says, you're God's people. Because God's the great giver. He gives salvation. He, he, he gives grace. He forgives sins through Jesus Christ. Your rejoicing is in him and in him alone. Praise be to God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and as Paul begins to focus on, on, on those three things, I simply want to look at those three things this morning, that, that, that faith and that love and that hope that is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and as Paul does, he wants the believers to, to, to recognize 
the gospel in all of this and to, to rejoice in what God is doing and will do in their lives. And when you think of faith, I mean, faith is what we have on earth in Christ. If you think of love, love is what we have on earth from Christ overflowing in our lives, directed to others as we display it. And the hope is what we have is, is what we have on earth looking forward to heaven and holding on to the eternal promises of God. And it's all centered around God, what God has done for us. And so this morning, when you see those characteristics in your life, your response ought to be worship, praise, glory, adoration to the giver of those eternal gifts, the salvation gift, the transforming gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should cry out with Paul, you know, that I mean, the gospel is, is everything. That, that, that the Lord Jesus Christ should be exalted and we should rejoice. So I said, I want to take you through that those three, um, those three wonderful statements that we have here. And to put it this way, first thing I want you to see that, that this faith that, that Paul speaks of, it's rooted in Jesus. This faith is rooted in Jesus. In, in chapter 2, in, in verse 6, he sort of emphasizes a little bit more, and he says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And this, the Greek word that you have for, for faith here is the word pistis, which actually has, has three aspects or three parts to it. One part is knowledge, the part is repentance, and the third part is, is obedience. And, and, and that all comes together in faith. And so faith is based on, on the, the knowledge that we have of God, the understanding of who God is, the, the, the truth of who God is, knowledge that's based upon fact. Knowing God and as we read his word, and maybe through the testimony of believers, as they, they may open the word of God to us at times and, and they explain God's word to us, we, we see who God is. We see his faithfulness. We see his grace. We see his mercy. We also see his justice and, 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 and his, his wrath over sin. We see him for, for who he truly is. And as we, we do so, based upon that knowledge, we begin to recognize that compared to God, who is completely holy, we are sinful, and we need his forgiveness, his cleansing, and therefore we come to repentance before him. And that, that word repentance simply means to just to turn from our sin, and we do that about turn, and we, we turn towards the Lord Jesus Christ, who went to the cross, who died in our place with forgiveness and the cleansing of our sin. Faith is simply saying to God, I'm a sinner. I cannot change my life, but you can. I don't even know the, the way ahead, but I know you do. I'm taking you at your word, and I hand my life over to you. I repent of my sin, and I commit my future into your hands, knowing, Lord Jesus, you died and you rose again for the cleansing of my sin and for the new life that I have that is from you. And so we trust... God, based upon the 
knowledge of the evidence, and we respond in repentance, and repentance leads on to obedience, and that is faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that itself is, is, is a gift of God. It's a miracle of God. That he'd do that work in our life. And because God has done that for us through Jesus, our only response this morning can simply say to him, Jesus, I want to thank you. I don't deserve any of this. I, I deserve nothing. Thank you for, for your mercy and your grace towards me. Your faith is rooted in Jesus Secondly, in verse 4, I want to see also that your, your love is rooted in Jesus, but is directed towards the saints. And, and, and Paul uses the word saints here. And of course, we, we probably we know already that when Paul uses the word saints, he, he's simply talking about believers. He's not talking about sort of some kind of elite group of people who, who, who live a really holy life. He's talking about ordinary people, people who've trusted Christ as Savior, who believe by faith in Christ alone. Those that saints, we are saints, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have trusted him as Savior and Lord of our life. And this love that Paul speaks of, that's rooted in Jesus, it, it overflows into the lives of the saints. And as Paul speaks to the church um, in Colossae, Epaphras has come and he's told them about the church there, and he says, Epaphras has told me all about you guys. And he told me about your love for each other. And that, that, that's tremendous. And that love that you have for each other is because of the love that God had for you first. And, and love and faith go together. You, you cannot separate love and faith. I mean, they, they have to come together. As someone has said, faith without love creates an arrogant person. Love without faith creates a, a weak, wishy-washy person and neither of those people bring glory to God. And so while faith alone saves, faith is never alone. It always produces love. Over in First John, and I mean, back before Christmas, me Paul was, was speaking on this whole area as well. I mean, First John 2, verse 9 to 11, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause or stumbling. And whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. And this is where we find ourselves, that without Jesus, we find it extremely difficult to display any love to anyone. We might make love people who are closest to us, but it's, it's not the love that, that's been spoke of here, that this love for, for the saints, love for believers. And I'm sure if you're totally honest, you can look around and you can, you can think of somebody that actually you struggle to, to, to love. You, you struggle to, to be around. And if that's the case, let me remind you of, of Jesus', Jesus words back in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. And he says, if that is the case, he says, love your enemy. There is never a place where, where love shouldn't be. And yet we, we will rest and struggle. And that's why we need the work of Jesus in our life. That's why we need to be rooted in Jesus, rooted in, in his love. And it's the overflow of his love that, 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 that changes this. The Indian philosopher, Bara Dalla, he said this. He says, Jesus is, is wonderful. But you, you Christians... 
You're not like him. And as reported as he said that, that he wasn't saying it out of bitterness or to get at people. He, he, he said it with, with the sadness in his heart. I love the story that's told in um, uh, Mary Chapian's book, um, Of Whom the World Was Not Worthy. He tells a story that gets way back to the church in the former um, Yugoslavia. And at that time, there was a lot of corruption and stuff going on in church life, and a lot of politics got into church life, and the hierarchy, and there was um, just the politicizing of the whole thing, and a lot of power grabbing going on. And an evangelist came into a small town. His name is Yakov, arrives in this small town. And he begins to speak to the people in the town. And he comes across an elderly man. He goes by the name Sinnerman. And he spoke with him. And the minute he started speaking about Jesus, Sinnerman said to him, he says, look, I, I want nothing to do with Jesus. I want nothing to do with the church. I want nothing to do with what you're talking about. And then he started to tell of his experience. He says, I've been living in, in this village for quite some time. And he says, there's so many tragedies that, that I've seen here. So that I, I've seen... People who claim to be in the church and they, they've, they've plundered, they've exploited, they've even killed innocent people. So my own nephew was killed by them, he said. He said, I don't want any talk about Jesus. So these people, they, they come and they, they wear these fancy robes, these elegant gowns, and they, they, they walk around and they parade around. And they, they have big crosses around their necks. And he says, they are evil in their heart. So don't talk to me about Jesus. Yaakov looked at Sinerman and he changed his line of conversation and he said to him, he says, I see that you're wearing a very distinctive coat. He says, what if I was to take your coat off your back, put it on and go rob the bank down the street and run away? And as I was running away from the bank, the people came after me to catch me, but they couldn't catch me because I was too fast. So they didn't see who I was, but they, they, they saw the coat. They recognized the coat, and they realized that it was your coat. And so they, they arrive at your door, and they say to you, he says, you, you are guilty. What would you say to them? Superman says, well, I, I would deny it. I wasn't there. But they would say to that back to you, but ah, that was your coat. That was your coat. Yakov went on in his analogy and he began to explain, he says, look, people wear the coat of Jesus badly. But that doesn't mean Jesus is bad. Quite annoyed, some man at that moment just kicked Yaakov out of this household again and told him never, never to come back and talk to him ever again. Some months later, Yaakov came back into that same village, spoke to him. He repeated that for months for over, over a number of years, came back and spoke with him and spent time with him. And finally, many years later, someone asked the question, how can I become a Christian? How can I know this Jesus? And Yaakov explained about repentance from sin, about trusting in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and what Jesus had done for him on the cross. And he explained what it, what it meant to no salvation. Some man bent on his knee on the soil and the ground. He bowed his head and he prayed a simple prayer of faith and trust to Christ the Savior. And he rose to his feet. And he wiped the tears from his eyes. 
he, he, he hugged Yaakov and he said to him, he says, thank you for being in my life. And then he pointed to heaven and he said, you wear his coat very well. You wear his coat very well. You know the difference it makes when love is displayed among believers. When love is displayed among a community. When we wear the coat of Jesus well. And we display that love. I mean, that's what Paul is saying to the church in Colossae. He says, you wear Jesus' coat well. When you think about what Jesus is able to do and how he can transform lives and change bitterness into love. And I think one of the... Brilliant examples of that is the writer of this is Paul himself. I mean, as Paul, I mean, set out in his early years, his goal was to destroy Christianity, to kill Christians. There was a bitterness and anger in his heart towards Jesus and towards all Christians. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus and his life was transformed. Bitterness was replaced into love. What a transformation. Only Jesus is able to do that work. And so when you, when you see love in the life of a church, when you see love in, in, a, in the life of a believer, when you see the, the love of Jesus Christ displayed, give glory and praise to God alone for that. That's his work in, in someone's life. That's him. That's Jesus. He deserves the praise and the glory. Don't be boasting in it, but worship Jesus Christ alone for that. Your faith is rooted in Jesus. Your love is rooted in Jesus. And it's passed on to those around you. And then thirdly, finally, the hope you have is rooted in Jesus as well. This faith, hope, and love are inseparable. We believe in Jesus, therefore we hope in Jesus. In saving faith, we prove Jesus' words to be true as he transforms lives. And therefore we have confidence that's laid down for us for the future in heaven because of Jesus. I mean, as, as Paul writes here, he, he talks about this hope in verse 5. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you is indeed to the whole world and is bearing fruit and so on. He says that, that hope is sure because if you look around, you see how... how Jesus changed life, just as able to do that in the present. That's our confidence for the future. This hope is eternal. I mean, as Jesus heads to the cross in John 14, verse 1 to 4, he leaves a message for his disciples, a message of hope. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I not have told you? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. The statement of, of future hope, of future glory, that is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you read Paul's letters, you come to the conclusion that for Paul, that, that suffering was only bearable when his eyes were fixed on heaven and that future hope. I mean, Paul writes in, in Romans 8, verse 18, um, I mean, for Paul's suffering, he says, I, I can consider that the suffering of this present time 
It's not worth comparing with glory that is to be revealed to us. And so when he struggled now, he, he looked at to the future, he looked to heaven, he looked to glory, he said, you know, there's better to come. That, that was the hope. Also, alongside that, service is only doable now when our eyes are fixed in heaven. And we, we recognize that the, the, the work that, that we do, and sometimes, you know, in, in church life and in, in, in pastoral ministry and in, um, in, in sharing the gospel, sometimes there can be discouragements along the way and we can, we can struggle with that. And we need somebody to, 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 to look ahead and to, to realize that actually God is the one who does a work. God is the one who saved. God is the one who changes lives. And ultimately he will accomplish his purpose. And I, and I always go um, to, to Revelation 7, verse 9. So that, that picture um, of John, he looks and behold a great multitude that no one could number, every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hand, crying out with loud voices, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. As they finish work of world mission, God will accomplish his purpose. We will stand before God one day. We will sing these words. We will shout these words. Salvation belongs to our God. He sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And that picture, that future hope, sometimes what we need, the comes that we need when it comes to service today. Service is doable today in the light of that hope. And that hope is rooted in the eternal work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you not to believe the lie that sometimes people say that we can be too heavenly minded to be of earthly use. I'm not even sure where that statement came from. It probably has origins somewhere that that is a benefit perhaps. But I don't think the problem is that we're, we're too heavenly minded I think often it's the other way around, that we don't spend enough time focusing on, on heaven, not, not enough time focusing on the eternal work of Jesus, not enough time focusing on, on God and spending our time in his presence and allowing the mind and the heart of God to, to overwhelm us and to, to guide and direct us in, in our lives. I mean, to, to gain the mind and the heart of God, what that would do, it would fill us with, with faith, hope, and love. It would, would encourage us in, in our, our faith, it encourages us in, in our, our love for others, encourages us in the, the hope that we have in Christ, and would build into our lives a compassion and a burden for others around us. To get a heavenly perspective, it would lead us to put less emphasis on the temporary things, which actually, in a second, they can just be, can go like that. I mean, I mean, even with this pandemic, one thing we should learn from it is actually, I mean, in a, in a second, I mean, the whole world can be shut down. I mean, everything that we, we thought was, was, was stable is gone. Temporary things don't last. Eternal things last. The hope that we have in Christ. That heavenly perspective also would make us more focused on Christ and more joyful in the Lord. And so we have faith, hope, and love. God's gift to us. And because they're God's gift to us, 
our response to it is worship, it's rejoicing, it's glory to him, it's exalting him. It's to say that Jesus alone makes the difference, that he is Lord, he is Savior. And that miracle of Jesus' power in cleansing and saving you and me, that the work of the Holy Spirit in changing your heart and your life, that is all of God. He does the impossible. And so you say, thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory, to him be praise. May his name be exalted amongst us. I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you It's all about you